Hey, Mark. Hey, Dennis. Do we still need to remind people that we don't dispense legal advice on this podcast? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we probably do. There could be stupid people listening. Yeah. Yeah. No legal advice. Not at all. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hostile Work Environment with Mark and Dennis. Hey, you, Mark. Hey, you, Dennis. How are things? <laughs> things are fine. It's really hot in the Northwest. It is unbearably hot I know we've been talking here. about the weather a lot lately. It's but kind like, of our thing. But like it's Friday afternoon. We're recording. And it's like, I think today is cooler than the last several days. And, and then it's, it's in the low 90s, not right, the high 90s. I think 90s. I saw over 100 on Sunday, maybe. I know. And we've been sweating all week. Yeah. Not pretty. Not pretty at all. No. So, yeah, but otherwise things are great. Yeah. So, you know what we do when we don't have any ideas? Yeah, we just sit here and we flounder for a bit. And then we're like, well, who else has ideas? And And then we get like a guest. Yeah. But this is actually different. We we actually do have a guest. (laughs) But this was a topic that you and I were actually going to talk about. Yeah, we had talked about this last week or the week before. And then I was talking to somebody about coming on and being a guest. And guess what? She has some pretty strong opinions about the topic that we were going to do anyway. Well, that it's just like sounds, sounds like serendipity the world has come or together synchronicity until, until or Skype didn't work. Yeah, until Skype didn't work. It's taken us a while to figure that out. But it's working. And on the line is somebody I think our listeners is going to find absolutely fascinating because I know I do. It's Rebecca Weaver who is one of the founders of a little bit of move of a movement called HR Uprise. And we're actually going to have her back on the second segment to talk more about that. Rebecca, welcome to the hostile work environment. Hey, thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Ah, thanks for joining us. Now, Rebecca's in Seattle. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Mark thinks that there should be a Portland Seattle rivalry purely because soccer. Um, uh, yeah, I, I could go for that. Although I will trash talk a little and say it's cooler here than it is there. I was about to ask. Yeah, no, that's true. Usually, and it's it's generally true that you have less air on the water, hot water, hot weather, less hot, water. less hot water. <laughs> yeah. well, we might have that too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rebecca, introduce yourselves to our li- listeners a little bit. Sure. So. Um, I like to introduce myself as an HR disruptor, uh, mostly because um, I like to kind of blow things up a bit, especially within the HR profession. Um, But my day job is I'm the head of people and culture for uh, Seattle's largest independent agency. Um, So I have my day job. And then my side gig, if you will, um, is this HR uprise. Very cool. Yeah. And I, We've promised we're going to come back in the second segment and talk a bit about that. We are. I, I, I have a confession to make. Uh oh. I, I initially thought it was. There a, is no priest penitent privilege here. No, I know. There's no problem. I'm sitting on a podcast. I know. It goes out to everybody. Right. I, when, when I initially kind of saw about HR Uprise, I thought it was HR you prize, like it's the HR surprise. Oh, and okay. Dennis has heard me say that, and then I felt like such a fool. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, that certainly wasn't the intent. Um, well, no. and I agreed that you should feel like a fool. No, no, no. I'm saying like it's 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 a it's a self deprecating moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know maybe maybe HR we're jumping ahead. Makes so much more sense. I'm just going to put that out there. It makes so it does much make more, more sense, sense right? Because I, I you don't really want HR to be associated with surprise. No, you don't. Gen- generally, no. <laughs> generally. Hey, guess not. what? Yeah. You've got a meeting with HR. Yeah, no. You that, can clean that, out your desk now. That doesn't go well. Um, exactly. Rebecca, tell us a little bit about your job title. I'm intrigued because your job title doesn't have the word HR in it. HR is not a word, the letters. It doesn't have those letters <laughs> in it. That's right. Yeah, we. Um, I've been with this company for a little over a year and a half, and um, that was one of the first changes I made was – um, once I became more than just one person, so that's where I started, it was a solo HR. Mm-hmm. And we've pretty quickly grown um, to a full-fledged team. But yeah, that was one of the first changes I made, um, was a move away from the term HR. Honestly, I think humans are way more than just a resource. Hallelujah. Um, yeah. Let alone all of the baggage that comes along with the term HR. I didn't really want to be associated with it. So we renamed our team um, or our department People and Culture um, because we felt like that was a much better descriptor of the things that we were really focused on. Very cool. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. What's your job title, Mark? You know, my job title is Chief Human Resources Officer. (laughs) But I didn't, you know, it's a a fair point, but I'm not sure how I would retitle that to the people, you know, Chief... CPCO if I was doing the same thing? I don't know. I think you need something that's like C3PO. C3PO. And then work in. Yeah. Now you're talking. Well, I just call call myself the crow. I like crow. I've heard that. I've I've seen chief people officer before. I've seen that too. I've seen that pretty frequently. I think my last employer has a chief people officer. Interesting. Think about that. Something to consider now that I have like cards. Oh, it's too late. You <laughs> now gotta, now that I have business cards, you know. What we used to do is when we would we would only change job titles when we had to reorder business cards. Business cards, cards. Anyway. no, it makes sense. You know. So let's shift gears here because we promised our listeners like, you know, a topic and content. How dull. Every now and then we just Every now and then we, we But this is the actually substance. really fascinating stuff. So Mark, you and I have been employment lawyers for quite a while. And every now and then we have to advise our clients on how to announce the departure of an employee, sometimes a pretty high-level employee. And what do we usually do? Well, usually you you don't say too much. Yeah. Right? I mean, you you don't wanna you don't wanna betray confidences, you don't wanna put too much information out there. Oftentimes it's it's put out there as a mutual decision. Or that the individual is leaving to pursue other opportunities. Yeah. Spend um, time with their spend family. Spend time with their family. Taking early retirement. Yeah, let's just be clear that that's all code for that got fired. Yeah. Absolutely. Everybody knows that. Right. Right. Rebecca, and, surprise to you. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. In fact, a company I used to work for, they referred to it as the poo message, the pursuing other opportunities message. The poo oh message. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. Can, can we use that? You can absolutely use Thank that. you. Message. Well, there's a company out there that did not send the poo message. And I'm going to read what they sent to their employees. 
it's long. I'm only going to read the first paragraph. But when I read you the first paragraph, you're going to get the gist of what follows. All. I've made a decision to let go of Jonathan Friedland. Jonathan contributed greatly in many areas, but his descriptive use of the N-word on at least two occasions at work showed unacceptably low racial awareness and sensitivity and is not in line with our values as a company. That memo was written by Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix. Just by way of background, Jonathan Freeland was a Netflix executive. He was the VP of Global Corporate Communications. And he was in a meeting at Netflix several years ago with the PR department, and they were meeting to discuss sensitive words that perhaps one should not use in the workplace. Okay. Mr. Friedland used a particular word commonly known about what not to say. Yeah, commonly known as the N-word. But not but like was it in the context of like this is a word you shouldn't say and I'm going to say it just once so that you know what word I'm thinking of that you shouldn't say even though we all know that you probably shouldn't say this or was it just like he said the word? No, he just kind of, you know. It was in the context of like you shouldn't say words like blah blah blah. Except instead of blah, 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 he said a you know, different word. And <laughs> after that, people talked to him and said, you know, Jonathan, that, you, you don't need to actually say the word. We all know we usually say like the N word. It tends to, you know, be less offensive. After that, he met with a group called the Black Employees at Netflix group. Didn't mention his little incident prior didn't apologize or anything like that was it known though it was known like word got around quick like oh my god did you know what jonathan just did he dropped the n-word in a meeting and people took that to mean like he was not very apologetic and then second incident happened and he said it again after He had been talked to after two black employees in HR had been spending a whole bunch of time with him trying to deal with the fallout from his original offense. He drops the N-bomb again. In a totally unrelated unrelated setting and Reed Hastings had enough. Now, Reed Hastings didn't send out what Rebecca calls the poo message. Love that. He sent out the N-word message. Totally revealed to the whole wide world why Jonathan Friedland got fired. It's a a different approach. It's a different approach. We typically don't see that. And I only read the first paragraph of what is really a very long eight-paragraph memo that goes deep into the history of using racial slurs in the workplace and why that's bad and how Netflix really disapproves of that and so on and so forth. It's pretty impressive. Did he go into any more detail about the individual himself? I'm forgetting the guy's name. Jonathan. About Jonathan. Did he go into any more detail about the specifics of Jonathan's situation or just, not that it's not a lot, but just in that first paragraph, what you read, is that the the extent of the detail about what no, actually happened? He actually tells the whole story. Jonathan oh. used it in the PR meeting. We talked to him about it. HR worked with him. So it's used a full it again. Telling. It is laying out all the dirty laundry on the table. So I'm going to shut up for a minute because I've been talking way too much, and Rebecca has barely gotten a word in edgewise. 
No, it's all Sorry, good. Rebecca. No, it's, it's really just a long lead in for you to is. like, you know, we're throwing you the softball and we're wanting you to hit it out of the park. So right. <laughs> I know you've got some opinions. Tell us about it. I do. I do. Well, first and foremost, I just find it horribly ironic that this Jonathan Friedland was their chief communications officer. <laughs> Good <laughs> point, right? At the same time, I think we've all worked closely enough with employee relations issues to know that, like, well, of course he was. Of course it was your chief communications officer that is having this issue. Maybe he thought, you know, he had a corner on that market or some... <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, um, that is the inexplicable part of all of it. Um, yeah, I mean, this whole, first of all, this was a message that was sent out to employees. So I think anytime any company of any size sends something to all employees, you have to assume that, you know, it will make its way out into the press, most likely. But it really was written primarily for employees, which I think is important. And it does, it goes really deep. Uh, he goes into basically it's a, a recap of their entire investigation. There is one section that I find particularly interesting. Yeah. Uh, and this is where this is coming from Reed Hastings. He says, as I reflect on this at first incident, I should have done more to use it as a learning moment for everyone at Netflix about how painful and ugly that word is and that it should not be used. I realize that my privilege has made me intellectualize or otherwise minimize race issues like this. I need to set a better example by learning and listening more so I can be the leader we need. I mean, Whoa. That's huge. Huge. That's humility and, I mean. And, and thoughtfulness. Awareness. Absolutely. Like, as the kids would say today, Reed appears woke. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I absolutely applaud that. And then he actually goes on, you know, even deeper um, around, you know, understanding the sensitivities of this word and all of that. And so that part of it, I absolutely applaud and absolutely commend that type of vulnerability from a leader. Um, it's an amazing example to set. And I just I just think that that part is fantastic. <laughs> the only part of his message that in any way rubbed me the wrong way was his plug for the Netflix show, Dear White People. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, he was basically, it was a reference like, Hey, if you want to learn more, our own, our own network has this show. Maybe you should watch it. Right. Right. I guess we can forgive him for that. We could probably forgive him for that. And at the same time, it actually is an excellent show um, and goes pretty deep in these kinds of issues. So I'll we'll give him have a to pass check it out. That. I'll All give right. him a pass for the, the shameless plug. <laughs> but, so but it is interesting because I've actually, um, you know, I've experienced this and it's something that within my current company, we've been experiment. I call it an experiment, I suppose. Um, but we've had a couple of terminations, um, you know, related to. Um, similar issues to what we're seeing here. Um, and, you know, we did decide not that long ago, like we're done with the poo message. Like we're done with that. Um, mm. we're, we're done with um, covering things up. I will say I have not gone in anywhere near this level of detail <laughs> um, by, you know, telling people exactly why and what happened and all of that. Um, but 
Um, what we have done is the the message will come out from me, um, which yeah. is in and of itself different. That gives everybody sort of an indicator that it's different. And we've stopped saying that so-and-so's resigned unless they have actually resigned. We've stopped saying it was a mutual decision. We've stopped saying all those things. And we actually will say now so-and-so was terminated. Um, huh. And at the same time, um, we have also... Um, in a couple of cases, use that opportunity to invite people to company meetings that we call things like company culture in the era of Me Too, um, you know, or, or things like that, so that people are making the connection, they understand what's going on. Um, and But most importantly, it gives us an opportunity to really have a deep dialogue about what's happening, you know, what does what's the impact to our culture, what does this mean? We give people an opportunity to ask questions that are really on their mind. But we've really taken, um, in the last year, we've really taken the opportunity where it, where it exists to really open a dialogue around these kinds of issues. And, and the hope is that we're really creating a much more um, inviting environment for people to ask questions that they're afraid to ask or to talk about things that they're afraid to talk about, they, topics that you know traditionally we have we in hr as a profession have given the impression that these topics are all off limits um and we're really trying to flip that part on its head so i love the idea of of not doing the cover-up because i think that's that it just perpetuates so i i would advocate maybe for something in the middle maybe not necessarily airing all your dirty laundry i know there's always a concern about I was going to ask you about that in in terms of what you're revealing in saying that somebody was terminated. Are you going into any more detail than that? Nope. Okay. Nope. And that's that's where we end. So yeah, and it is. It's a fine line, right? And I think it's something you're always looking at. Um, you know, how much detail should we go into? And then of course, there's always the, um, you know, I don't like this term, but the victim that was involved, you know, we obviously want to be very careful to protect. That's the person we care about protecting or people in some cases. Um, you know, those are, those, those are the people we're far more concerned about protecting, but, um, but I think so much of how we've done this over the years, the conventional wisdom, you know, has always been, we'll just err on the side of, you know, completely conservative. Don't say anything. Don't tell anybody anything. And we just say, but, but the problem is what we've done, you know, when we send out those emails is we have, you know, we've set up the system that protects the people who really shouldn't be protected. Hmm. They're, they're the aggressors. They're the, the people who have done wrong. Um, and on that point, you know, Mark, as an employment lawyer, why would you advise a client to send out the poo message? Or something like it. So, I mean, I, I, I kind of like the approach that Rebecca's talking about here. And in, in, in my world, I think it's fine to say that somebody was fired or not fired. I don't think that there's, I, you know, I've seen organizations do it both ways. And, and I, I have typically advised, you know, if somebody's fired, you can say they're fired, right? Okay. That has not been always the approach taken. But that's, I don't think that there's usually an issue with that. It's truthful if you fired them. Right, you're not going to get a defamation claim on that. Where, where I've always been cautious, though, is to getting into the details around airing that laundry. Right, if there's any question around, right, the facts of the situation and whether that person could deny it or say that somebody else is making up this information and now you are taking that and publicizing it, right, which is parts of the the elements of a defamation claim. Right, and yeah. does that 
risk outweigh the benefit of providing additional information as to why you took the action? And that's a balancing that you always need to to look at or that I've always advised looking at. And almost always it's, well, let's be a little more risk averse. Let's not get into that, to that information. Netflix went a whole different way on that. And I find it refreshing. I imagine that they have some many employment attorneys or several employment attorneys at Netflix who, who walked them through that analysis and maybe Reed Hastings was just like, no, this is important. This is an important social issue. And we need to let people know that this isn't tolerated here and that the benefit gained from sending that message out and publicity from that, right, both internally and maybe externally outweighs the risk of that defamation claim. And if that's the assessment that they made, if that's the process that they went through good on you i mean i think that's awesome yeah i think when i read through reed's memo um one of the things that i can tell from this is that hastings use of that term or sorry not hastings use of that term for the record Reed Hastings did not use the N-word as far as we know. Um, Jonathan Friedland's use of that term appears to be well known throughout the company. Yeah. So it's not like he was pulling out some really dirty laundry, but that nobody knew about. Right. It wasn't like a contained investigation that we're looking into something that two people said, but it hasn't gone more wide than that. But let me throw out uh, another potential scenario. What if it wasn't the VP of um, PR who said this stuff in front of tons of people who then gossiped about it? What if instead this was a sex harassment investigation and the only people who really knew it were the purported victim and the alleged harasser? But you conducted an investigation and you concluded based on your investigation that, yeah, that person did violate our harassment policy and should be fired. Would it ever be appropriate to send out this detailed of a message in that kind of a case? Oh, I, I hesitate much more on that than I do on this particular Netflix example, mostly because when you're looking harassment investigation, frequently it really does come down to one person. Sometimes it's multiple people, but it's very frequently, you know, conversations that are only happening between a couple of people. Um, And I would be, I would have a far greater concern about backlash, you know, potential backlash for the victim or that they would somehow inadvertently be identified. Um, by going into this level of detail on something that is so personal. And it's so traumatic as I've sat in front of so many people who have come forward with these claims. By the time they finally come forward to HR, it has already, this experience has already far traumatized them. And even just the act of reporting it and then finding out, regardless of how they feel about the person, what I see happen so frequently is I think a form of survivor's guilt, which is, right, which is like, oh, well, you know, they hate the act, they hate what this person has done, and yet if that person loses their job, I see this all the time, that that victims then have this intense guilt that somehow they're the one who caused the person to lose their job. Wow. It's actually an angle I had not thought of. 
you know, that's that's really interesting. I mean, we um, often see somebody who will come forward and report and say, I don't, you know, look, I'm going to tell you this, but please don't fire Mark. But, right. Right. You know. Yeah. I don't want anything to happen to so-and-so. Yeah. It's really, really common. But, and so I do, you know, I spend a ton of time. I have learned um, to whether you hear it directly from that person or not to spend a lot of time with the, the person who reported it. Um, again, I hesitate to use the term victim, but, but to spend a lot of time with them, um, really walking them through, listen, this was not, you did exactly the right thing by coming forward. You can't take ownership of what the person did. They own their behavior, they own their actions, you know, and so the consequences of those are theirs alone as well. Um, and so really trying to walk them through that. But I definitely have learned that that absolutely has to be a part of the process too, is really caring for that person as it's really, really common for people to feel really, really guilt, uh, a ton of guilt um, yeah. when somebody, especially if somebody loses their job. Now so, that is great advice. So here, here's a question then that I, I, I'll put out there to the two of you. What's the in-between on this? So what I mean by that is, right, Netflix is taking a stand on this question of racism and firing an executive because of racist words and racist language and airing that to everybody. And by doing so, they are sending a message to the entire company that we will not tolerate this. Okay. The example that we're using on harassment, for all the reasons you just said, right, we may not want to go that far. Maybe not. But how, what other ways might there be out there to, for, for employers to send that message, right, not just through the affirmative trainings and saying we care about this, but by, by somehow trying to telegraph that we do in fact hold people accountable and this is a major problem and it is simply unacceptable in our organization. Yeah, I think that's really the key uh, because if we don't, if we continue to do the, the cover-up message, right, I guess is what I'll call it, but if we continue to do the cover-up message, how, how are people going to know that we have dealt with it? You know, how could we possibly give them the signal that HR and leadership and, you know, whoever the decision makers are can be trusted with that information if we don't give in some way an indication that it's been dealt with. And it is, it's a fine line, I think, between, again, going full Netflix mode of we're going to air all of the details versus, you know, there is an in-between. So one of the things I did um, fairly recently was an email out to people or to our team saying so-and-so has been terminated. And in that same email, I said, come join us this Friday for a conversation right. <laughs> we're calling, right? So that's, to me, that felt like this in between. And um, again, did not ever share any details, didn't ever even comment on it, um, on the investigation or any of that. But it really gave us an opportunity then. And it was not the traditional, you know, come sit through the harassment in anti-harassment training it was definitely not that either. It was really an open forum, a town hall style conversation with our team. Um, but just being willing to open up the dialogue made a huge difference. I generally like that approach. The only fear that I have is what if the guy that you just terminated is like Mr. Popular that everybody loves? Yeah. 
And when they find out he's terminated and that we're all invited to talk about Me Too, mm-hmm. people, you know, put two and two together and figure out he was violated or he was violated. He was <laughs> terminated because he violated the harassment policy. And then they start to wonder who ratted out our favorite executive for violating the harassment policy. And now is that person exposed and subject to retaliation from coworkers? Yeah, and and that's, that's, that's the risk if you go full on detail or if you go halfway. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's, I, I would have to imagine that it's going to be a case by case evaluation of, of the risk and likelihood that certain things will happen. Is there is, is the individual who was terminated, for example, of a sufficiently high level that you need to make an announcement? Yeah. Right? And is there going to be more impact because of that? And depending on who it is, is there then greater risk that there will be a victim who's identified or shamed or blamed because of it? And is it worth the risk on in terms of the positive message you're sending that this is unacceptable and the risk that somebody might be exposed from it? Right. I, so I yeah. would I would probably say like you just have to put those factors all out there and make the best decision you can, knowing that you might run some risk on either side. Yeah, yeah. I think there's risk either side. It's weighing out you know each of those right because again the risk of not doing that is that people never know the full detail. Maybe another I've seen this happen. Rumors start about yeah. why that person actually left that have absolutely nothing to do with it. Um, and I would say, you know, it's not uncommon at all for, you know, uh, harassment claims to come forward on, you know, the person that we never expected it to be so-and-so or, you know, I, and that's part of what has kept the status quo this way for so long. Oh, well, so-and-so could never do that. Or it would never, you know, I, oh, that's just such a nice guy. Got a family, got a, and again, I keep referring to, you know, men because statistics bear it out. Most of the time it is. But again, I will say for the record, it's not always. True. Um, but I think that's part of the the challenge and part of what you have to weigh out. Um, and, and that can also be part of the conversation that you open up with your team. One of the things that we found out that people were the most curious about was our investigation process, even what it involved. Oh, and, wow. And that was a huge surprise to me because obviously something that is just second nature now, having been in HR as long as I've been, um, it didn't even occur to me, but it was a huge mystery to um, most of our team. And so we talked through that, you know, so just being able to even ask questions and giving them a, a venue for even submitting questions anonymously so that we could deal with those too. And, you know, and then people are asking questions like, well, gosh, is it, is it possible for me to harass somebody and not know it? No, I don't know. I don't know where the line is. I, you know, we don't talk about it. And, but there's a way to, again, without going into specific details of a specific investigation, but talk through enough scenarios that people understand you know, the thought process and what yeah. context comes into play and, you know, sure, talk through what if scenarios, because that's what people are frequently really curious about. Um, and so then you, you know, can play through different, well, okay, here's a scenario, you know, two peers, somebody asks somebody else out um, and that person says no. And then they continue to ask, is that harassment? Well, I don't know. Let's talk about it. What do you think we would take into account? Um, okay. Now let's switch it up. One person is the boss 
you know, is the manager and the other person's reporting to them. Now, how does it change? Um, and so even just talking through those things, I think really helps give people a sense of what the thought process is. But I think yeah. this is, is pulling the veil away from the mystery and the shroud of HR that I think is really, really important. Yeah. Giving people the opportunity to ask those questions. Yeah, very cool. I think this has been an interesting discussion. I agree. And before we move on and take our break, I want to throw out for the two of you a completely non-evidence-based conspiracy theory that I just came up with on the fly that might explain the Netflix memo. Only in part. And here's something that happened is that the same day that Reed Hastings sent out this memo, Jonathan Friedland tweeted Here's what Jonathan Friedland had to say. He, He tweeted, I'm leaving Netflix after seven years. Leaders have to be beyond reproach in the example we set, and unfortunately I fell short of that standard when I was insensitive in speaking to my team about words that offend and comedy. That was tweet number one. Tweet number two was... Words that offend what? In that comedy? Offend, that offend in comedy. comedy Maybe that was the context of the first discussion. Comedy like ha-ha funny. Ha, comedy. As a comedy with an I-T-Y. Okay, yeah, well, it's, comedy. It's, okay. I, I, I wouldn't know that big word. So, the, the number of letters. Second tweet. I feel awful about the distress this lapse caused to people at a company I love and where I want everyone to feel included and appreciated. I feel honored to have built a brilliant and diverse global team and to have been part of our collective adventure. Now, both of those sound like they were written by the VP of PR, right? (laughs) Yeah. But here's my conspiracy theory. What if Jonathan Friedland got fired but also got a nice severance? And the severance was contingent that he tweet in a very apologetic and blame-accepting way so that when Reed's memo revealing as much as it does go out, he already knows Jonathan's going to cop to this in order to get his severance pay and we're not going to face any potential defamation retaliation. See? kind of love that. So you think it would set up as a term for his, in one of the conditions for his severance payment? I'm, I have no idea. I'm suggesting it is not beyond the realm of possibility. Potential way to mitigate mitigate the defamation risk by having the release, especially if it, if that agreement is not, well, agreement is not signed. The severance agreement is not signed until after the, the, internal communication goes out, then you can release the claim after the fact. Exactly. So you could really structure this in a way. I mean, I wouldn't do this if it was like, you know, Joe in accounting. But if it is your VP of all awesomeness and some high level executive and you really want to be able to communicate about it, you could structure a severance agreement to protect your legal risk and give you the ability to be very upfront about it and I was about to use the word extort and get the executive to fall on his sword and apologize. I. That's kind of genius, really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm impressed. 
Uh, not knowing uh, at all uh, if that's exactly so what you're, that, that, that came across as you're very impressed with your own conspiracy theory. Totally impressed with my own. Actually, <laughs> if I am right, I am very impressed at Netflix's employment yes. lawyer who came yes. up with that. Absolutely. So. Cool. On that note, we're going to take a short break. And then we'll be right back with more Rebecca to talk about HR surprise. surprises. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back at the hostile work environment we still have rebecca and we want to hear all about hr uprise not surprise so rebecca what's hr uprise so hr uprise started as a social movement um we looked at, well, and I guess for me personally, it had started even back with a personal experience that I had even before Me Too resurfaced this past year. Um, but I left an organization. Um, the really short version of the story was I started to recognize this pattern. Um, first, it was just sort of isolated incidents here and there um, of issues where uh, we would, we had a female, um, who person employee who was denied a, uh, particular work shift, um, because she was too small in stature, or we would have, um, a couple of our lower level supervisors left the organization and it was described that they just weren't, uh, committed enough to the organization. So it was these sorts of things that in isolation, you know, we're not necessarily that concerning, but it started to look like a pattern. Um, and when I realized that it looked like a very, very distinct pattern of behavior and decisions that the company was making that felt to me like a very clear double standard for women, um, I spoke up. So I was the head of HR of a relatively small organization, um, sat down with company's leadership and laid it all out. I gave all of the evidence and so long story short, not only did my concerns fall completely on deaf ears, I then became the internal target. I was labeled oh. as aggressive. I was too emotional. I was, you know, all manner of things. And um, then the kicker at the end for me was, um, you know, right after I told the CEO that I was pregnant, he told me I was going to be laid off. And there's so, no suspicious timing there at all. Absolutely. Um, None whatsoever. No. Nope. Absolutely not. So I quit. Um, rather than waiting around for that, um, I decided that my professional integrity was far more important than waiting around for any severance that might be part of it. So um, then, so fast forward another year and a half or so, and um, Me Too movement started to resurge, and I thought about it, and I even said a couple of times, well, sure, I've had, you know, things here and there that have happened over the course of my career as a woman. Most women in, you know, the working world, I know, certainly have experienced something. And I thought, but, in the, you know, generally speaking, um, I've been pretty fortunate. And then I thought about it a little bit further. I'm like, well, no, I left my last job because, because of this type of environment. So um, it was interesting because even thinking back on my own experience, it didn't even occur to me at first that that, that was something that, you know, was significant. Um, but I think these are the ways in which we sort of talk ourselves out of it. And, you know, um, 
rationalize behavior that's just really inappropriate. So, so we started to watch, um, you know, these different areas where time's up, you know, the organization in the entertainment industry formed and the Golden Globes came about and they were wearing black to bring awareness to time's up. And all of a sudden, you know, having conversations on the red carpet about more than just, you know, who are you wearing? And um, it was really inspirational. And then, of course, Oprah blew the roof off. And um, so we came back into work the next day and was talking with our team. And, you know, we kept saying to each other, where is this for business? Where is this happening? Where we see business leaders standing up saying, yeah, you know what? Time's up. No more no more of what has created the status quo. No more protecting people who don't deserve to be protected. And, you know, where is this happening? And the more we talked about it, the more I realized that there was one group that is really, really instrumental, has been really instrumental in both creating the status quo and creating this environment, but also has the ability to really affect positive change in the future. And that's and employment lawyers, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No? It's, a, it's HR. Oh. <laughs> We're kind of slow. It's Friday, you know. That was Dennis's HR surprise for the day. That was the HR surprise right there. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we went about, you know, how is there even, I just kept saying, I'm not sure there's even an audience for this. I've always considered myself to be a bit on the fringe when it comes to HR anyway. You know, am I alone out here um, or are there... Um, other people who are like-minded. So we set up this Instagram account with some somewhat provocative images and, you know, pictures and images saying things like HR has been complicit and HR needs its soul back and things like that. And we sent it out there. And then in the first week, we had more than a thousand followers. Whoa. And so that, told, yeah, it certainly surprised us. So that definitely told us that there was an audience for this. And so it's really only been a couple of months now, but it's really begun to grow into this true social movement. Uh, we have uh, in-person events. We just had our first event last night in person with HR disruptors. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Having just some really, really cool dialogue. Um, and what was interesting is we heard from so many of them. Well, I've always felt like a square peg in a round hole in HR. And now all of a sudden I see there are other people who feel the same way I do. And, um, so yeah, so it's, it's just been an absolute whirlwind, but really, really exciting and really exciting to know there are so many people out there who feel so passionately that it's time for us to do things differently in HR. Very cool. How do people get involved with HR Uprise? Well, you can come follow us on social media for sure. We still have our the original Instagram account and we post there pretty frequently. Um, so you can certainly come follow us, share the images, share the messages that you think are really impactful. We hear from a lot of people. Oh, yeah, I took one of the posts in and we talked about it at my uh, at our HR department meeting or, you know, because we, we ask a lot of questions of HR. Um, so you can certainly do that. We do have a website, hruprise.com. And I have to say, it's a good website. Well, thanks. Yeah. It, it may just nice. be a little bit better than the hostile work environment oh, website. Just a smidge. A smidge. <laughs> it, it, at least it's more tasteful. Well, that's, I mean. It has less garish colors. <laughs> that's fair. Which, you know, I did design the garish colored logo, so that's on me. The, <laughs> the unsaid implication there is that the rest of that 
is on me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, the, so the general but, crappiness of the website. But, you know, I gave you the color palette and you right. were kind of stuck with it. So yeah, that we part. forgive you. Um, and I have to say the website's got a great blog. There's some really interesting articles on there, including one where you share your viewpoints about the poo memo. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, it, that's really been in response from a lot of requests that we've got as this thing has gotten off the ground. Um, you know, people keep asking, you know, what, what are some of the ways? Okay, great. I love the idea that, you know, we have to blow up everything we think we know about HR, but, you know, what does that actually mean? You know, how can I, what does that, what can I actually take into work and implement um, or try to implement or have, you know, what conversations can I start? And so that's really what we're now in the process of kind of building out. And I'm going to do another shameless plug, but for you, um, one of your blog articles that we don't have time to talk about today, but I really encourage everybody to go and take a look at is titled, we should make it easier to talk about hard things. And it really impressed me. And in that you talk about a letter that you sent out to employees following the deaths of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. I thought it was really brilliantly done. Thank you. Yeah, these are, again, this is where we're sharing some of the specific things that, that we can do. And um, I talked about my own um, struggles in the past um, and current, um, you know, struggles with mental health. And I think making ourselves vulnerable is really important. Um, and I'm not necessarily advocating that every HR person go out and, you know, air all their personal dirty laundry. I am, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, entertainment value, really. Right. I did hear somebody say, though, that um, that how, how do you know how much to share? Um, and they described it as um, speak from your scars, not from your open wounds. And I oh. thought that was really, really oh, good. I really advice. like that. Yeah. 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 I really love that. Um, and so that's really the, the tactic that I've taken and that we've taken well, within. Um, I think she just named the episode. Yeah. We always take the best quote from the episode, and that's the title of the episode. You just named it. That one's great. Awesome. Yeah. So, but I think it is, it's really important. I think there are ways to be vulnerable, um, you know, that it is a little bit scary. It's a little bit scary to share these things. But at the same time, I really think what what we do and what fuels my work with HR Uprise and why I think we have to keep going with it is I'm on a crusade to get HR to really look at telling the whole truth. We've, I think, historically been so, so focused on just telling either the glossy version um, or the version that keeps us, you know, just this line, this side of the line of concerns about legal trouble. Um, but we're leaving so much out and people don't feel an authentic connection without that whole truth. And so that's, I think, again, for each of us figuring out how to do that with our teams and with each other and um, is really what this is all about. Well, we encourage all of our listeners to check out HR Uprise. Check out hruprise.com. Look for them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Friendster, all those places. <laughs> You guys are all over it, and we really think what you're doing is a great thing. And Rebecca, thanks for joining us today. This has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much. 
I'm off to buy the domain HR surprise as well. <laughs> yeah, you should you should get that before somebody else does. Yeah, snatch it up because once cause, cause once right. we talk about it on here, once this airs Monday, you know, just it's, it's going to be high demand. hot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. A reading rainbow. We are back with story time with Uncle Mark. <laughs> I was trying to think of like what would be like a tune to go with that. Like, I don't know, uh, but I'll story figure it time out tune and, and put it on. You can, should dub it over. Yeah, yeah. Um, got a short story here okay. from a uh, listener who would prefer to be called Nameless in New York. Nameless in New York. It's All right, like, that's what we should get everybody to like. Submit names oh, like like yeah. that. We should like sleepless in Seattle okay. or nameless in New York or like like they would or or we make them up or we'll just make them up for you. Like but you like, all of our listeners like a dear Abby name. We you know? need your stories desperately. As I yeah, think we've made so perfectly we have, clear. We have been putting out a, a campaign to get more stories. Yeah, I have a handful a now. A handful. We're recording actually two episodes today as we do this. Right. And then I'll be down to less than a handful again. Yeah, we'll be down to like like one one or two. So submit your story, please. And when you do, give yourself a nickname. Yeah, stories at hwepodcast.com. All righty. And on that note, Mark? From uh, Sleepless, no, sorry, Nameless in New York. Uh, Several years ago, I received a complaint that one of uh, an employee's coworkers was looking at porn on his laptop. I'm assuming company laptop and that that's not cool. Suffice to say that this was when high-speed internet was more prevalent at work (laughs) as opposed to at home. I'm reading into that. Oh, okay. That like if you wanted to watch that, like you'll get better speed and quality, I guess, at work than you would at home. Yeah, because when you're at home, it's grainy. It like right. Well, this is like mode, like if you're on dial up. Yeah, you, know? you, you can't you can't look at porn on fourteen point four. It just doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think you just dated yourself with that. Um, uh, you knew what it meant. Yeah. Well, fourteen point four baud. Ooh, baud. B a u d baud. And then we went to twenty eight eight. Oh, remember and then, that? And then fifty six six. <laughs> 56. We can do math. The quality wasn't all that good, though. I was never a huge 56.6 fan. It was better than 20. I mean, it's faster. Each one's faster. Yeah, but you you, you dropped a lot of packets. Just saying. (laughs) Okay, we're going to stop this. Um, Anyway, so our our listener says, you know, so that's that's not an excuse, but it is some context. Um, it's It's an explanation. As this was actually the second time that this coworker had been warned about sexual content, we suspended him pending an investigation. But the investigation proved a challenge. How do we have someone actually look on his computer and the porn without being offended? Um, I mean... You hire an employment lawyer because right. it's what or, we do. I mean, or ask for around living. for a living ask professionally. Ask for somebody that's not going to be offended. Are you okay like looking at this to see if there's porn? Yes. Okay, go do it. Like in or, a company-wide email? Who wants to look, look at who porn? Who wants to look at porn? We're now accepting volunteers. Yeah, it's like the reverse of that old like joke 
email that you'd open up and it would be the sound file that screams out, I'm looking at porn. Yeah, right? we like, talked about that. We talked that about that in an earlier show. episode. Yeah. It's like the reverse of that. Who'd like to look Who'd at porn? Who'd like to look at porn? Um, eventually, we just decided, as you just suggested, to hire an outside consultant <laughs> who scanned the computer and found files of fetish porn that, let's just say, were probably too graphic for Playboy. Uh, most porn probably too graphic for Playboy. But all right, Playboy is pretty pretty lame. Pretty well, or they tame. don't even have nudity. They don't even anymore. have that anymore, right? Right. Well, I, thought, I thought they got rid of it and then they got got Did it they back bring it again. Back? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I have not looked at Playboy since I was like sixteen. Yeah. So, all and right. then it was in my girlfriend's dad's bathroom because he it's where he kept his Playboys. <laughs> this the, it, this might be a little too much. All uh, right, information. Sorry, else. thank you. We'll edit that out. Uh, um, so he says, this was bad enough. <laughs> we could both chuckle and cringe that someone was stupid enough to watch porn on his work computer. But the consultant also spotted files from a website, a website called Sweet Apples. Sweet Apples. Sweet Apples. Googling right now. Go for I'm it. Kidding, kidding. Um, which Googling. led to a question as to whether these photos were not just porn, but child porn. Why would Sweet Apples be child porn? I, That's you know, not where my I'm, mind goes. I don't if know. If it I mean, was I like preteenlolitas.com, I'd go, yeah, you should probably. That, I, that would, I'm not going to. sweet apples? I, I'm not going to speculate there. I mean, I could see how you could go either way. No, all right. I all could right. see how it might, like, I don't know, evoke something with young people. I don't okay, know. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm just. Our lawyers informed us that child porn had specific reporting obligations to authorities. And perhaps even some liability, too. So how do we figure this out? Um, thankfully, our consultant was able to tap a database that, inc- that indicated to us that it was not child porn, but just regular porn. Uh, still, this was an area that none of us were familiar with. And none of us signed up uh, in our roles to be porn experts. <laughs> um, the employee was fired. And we deleted any copies still out there. But unfortunately for us, the memories of the matter are still etched in our memories. But fortunately, you're still not having to see the images because you managed to have somebody else do that. Yeah. You got somebody else to look at. So the memories are not as bad as they might be. Oh, no. I actually have a – well, we have a former colleague who pulled the worst job ever. Which was to review a client's employee's laptop to see if they were downloading kitty porn. And guess what? They were. They were. And that ended up with that employee becoming a guest of the federal government. Yes. So that's what will happen if you uh, become an employment lawyer, potentially. Yeah. So um, everybody go out to law school. Yeah. Um, Our... Listener concludes, uh, who knew that you needed hazard pay for HR work anyway? All of us. Uh, yeah. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Thank you. We will. So thank you for that. Um, I think I think from an employment lawyer standpoint, we've been there, but I can see, you know, that's, that's a, it's not the most fun situation it, to have to deal it's with. It's a bit of an occupational hazard when you are in the HR realm, I have to say. Yeah. It could happen to you. Well, thanks. If you have a story, stories at hwepodcast.com. Dot com? Com. Oh, you said gom. Clean your ears out. And um, social media, 
we're we're on some of that at least. We I, actually posted on Facebook this first week. First time in like three months. It was like seventy three days. It told me. Yeah. So so pretty much you posted the last time it rained in Oregon. Right. Yeah. So check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. We are at HWE Podcast. Should we do an Instagram? I'm thinking we should do an Instagram. That's what I was ki- just. It's what the kids use. I was just looking at HR Uprise's Instagram. Yeah. While we were talking, it's cool. Is it? Yeah. yeah. They do cool stuff. Well, we should get on Instagram just so we can follow HR Uprise. Yeah, and all of you should do that too. Yeah. So yeah, look for us on Instagram with mm-hmm. the speed at which we do such things. It'll be you know November, but we'll we'll get there. Maybe for our one year anniversary in yeah, November. Yeah, there we go. Can you believe that's? I mean, it's oh my god, it's not like right coming up, but it's coming but it's, up. It's it's you know it's on we, the calendar that's visible when you open Outlook and you're right. Like, oh we my need god. to be thinking about like what's our one year birthday going to look Ooh. like? Special episode, special guests. Have some cake. Have all the guests. We could have a, 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 a HWE podcast reunion, that, which would require more technical, technical expertise yeah, than I yeah, possess. If only you saw Dennis trying to get this episode set well, up. Except now everybody who follows us on Twitter will yeah, see I, me. I may have that, surreptitiously taken a photo yeah. of Dennis while he was trying to figure out Skype. Yeah, which I, I, I think violates state law. I think that was, you know. Sue me. Unlawful surveillance or something. Um, Patreon. Where we occasionally read out the names of everybody who donates $10 or more, which is really fascinating because we got somebody who became our very first $9.99 patron. Which and, and Dennis asked me why, and now I think we have an answer. It's because they want to remain anonymous. Which they will. But we know who she is. But we won't say. But we're not going to tell you. She's got to cough up an extra penny, and then we're going to shout her name from the rooftops. That's right. Some future episode, we'll do, you know, we did it last time, so we're not going to do it again. But, you know, every Eventually. now and then we read those names. Cool. On that uh, note. That would be patreon.com slash HWE. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Patreon.com slash HWE. Okay. Should we um, bring this to a, to a close? Yeah, I think we should bring this to a to its natural conclusion. Bye. Stay safe. Use protection. As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension.